A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Foundation Podcast, where the lore hounds, your guides to psycho history. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Apple TV Plus original series, Foundation. In this episode, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 10, the finale, Creation Myths. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for September. A reminder that you can find all our podcasts on Spotify, and YouTube, as well as other major podcasting platforms. Speaking of podcasting platforms, if you are indeed enjoying what we do, we would like you to take a moment, if you can, and leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcast is the big SEO engine, and the more reviews that we have on that system, the more folks can find us even as far out as the outer reach. Yeah, you can't say Terminus anymore. There's <laughs> no gone. Terminus to go to. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, for ad-free episodes, early access, and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash thelorehounds. You can subscribe today with a free trial. I know people have been doing yeah. that lately. It's been uh, we are at 99 patrons. <laughs> so if you want to be number 100, your time's running out. Do it now. Lastly, we're going to have a season wrap-up podcast that should drop uh, next week around this same time, and we're in for a treat. Not only do we have Marilyn R. Bakila, our favorite Tolkien scholar and also big Foundation fan she is, we've got Maester Anthony on as well. And this is the first time we're going to have Maester Anthony and Marilyn on the same podcast at the same time. So we're super excited. So if you've got questions for them, because remember, they've read the books, they they know all about religion and history and all kinds of stuff. This would be a great time to ask your deep questions. Yeah, I know. Marilyn has gone deep into the history of it. Anthony is, of course, a professor of theology. So he he will be able to speak on a lot of those religious topic so and he's been enjoying the show so yeah yeah so it'll be a great conversation i'm really looking forward to that i think this should be a tradition david let's try to get like different voices on the season wrap-up so that we get different perspective because they've heard us jabber enough about it it's fun it's fun that way it's a little bit more of a party right but if you want to jabber about it send emails to empire.com or head to our website and use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message in our Discord server, and we can include those as well. Links in the show notes. 
Yeah, make sure you get your uh, season wrap-up emails in as soon as possible. I think we're going to be recording on Wednesday the 20th. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, make sure you've get those in uh, middle of the day. Wednesday would be great. Can give me some time to compile it. It's coming up so, quick. It is. Um, also, a quick reminder, we were, I don't know, it a, a little bit of luck, I guess, a little bit of chutzpah. Um, we got to talk to David S. Goyer, the showrunner of Foundation. Um, he is a very generous person with his time. He's talked to the Bald Move guys, to Pete Peppers. He was on a Reddit AMA, a bunch of other stuff. So he really does like to get out into all kinds of different channels, mm-hmm. interact with the fans, give feedback. And he was gracious enough to sit down with John and I for an hour. I feel we could have talked to him for like two hours. <laughs> uh, or even more. But, you even know, I, I think um, I think what struck me the most is how much he loves to live in this world. And how much he has really fallen in love with his characters Mm, and put a lot of thought into how he wants to treat them and how he wants to deliver a cohesive story that is representative of Asimov's foundation in overall message, theme, and and. I don't even know vibe vibe of the world. It's it's and he's doing a really great job. I mean, I'm I'm really happy. I'm not going to give my overall season season thoughts here, but I was really happy with this episode. And that's not us just trying to be nice to get him on for a season wrap podcast ourselves. <laughs> uh, that's I think that's a genuine feeling. Is is that yeah? I think you're right, John. He he cares very much for this world. He cares about his writers' room. He cares about his actors. Mm-hmm. He cares about his production teams. And he fe- it feels like he's the kind of showrunner who really. Uh, is drawing out the best in right. the people that he's working with. And I think that comes through not only right. in the quality of the production, but also in the conversation and the fact that he's willing to so confidently stride into the fandom mm-hmm. and talk and share himself and share his point of views and, and perspective. And I think that's uh, right. It's a, a mark of a, a very mature, somebody who's, you know, gone through a lot of process and is in a really good place as a creator. So, right. I mean, even us, like us and the other podcasters he's gone on with, we're not, people who have been always positive about this stuff. No, right. right. Like we are, we do pick our nits. <laughs> yep. And, and that I've got and some nits to pick on this episode. Even Sure. So, sure. Yeah. But it, it was, it was really great that he's like, I can take that criticism. I can yeah, work with exactly. that. You know, I can, mm-hmm. I can have an honest conversation. It's really great. You can really feel when the creator wants the world to be the best it is. Agreed. And so. I think we've seen that in other properties. If <laughs> we've seen some writers room speak out, <laughs> The Witcher, you know, on Netflix, uh, say, you know, there's disdain for this world in the writers mm, room. And mm. that that comes through on there, you know, when you have the opposite. Right. Um, so I'm really glad that we're getting the treatment that this this franchise deserves. And it's fun to podcast about when we get shows like that and to to have that kind of opportunity. Anyway, enough about that. Go to the feed, check out, right. find that. It says Goyer interview. You can find right. it real easily. Go to listen to that podcast. And um, definitely if you've got stuff that you want to send in for the season wrap that sort of gets included, I know he, he does listen to these various podcasts. So, you know, um, we can uh, get a little shout out. John, Let's get in to our hot takes for the episode, the finale. Mm-hmm. We're going to save our critiques and comments about the season overall for the season wrap. We're just going to focus in on this episode as is. What did you think? I really liked it. Okay. I, I know um, you and I were messaging about it. I think I was hotter <laughs> on it than you were. Yeah, I think so. I 
watched. I'm gonna be honest now. I did cheat going from episode nine to ten. Shocker! It was the only one I cheated on because I was. You did a good job of hiding it too. Well, I appreciate nine. that. I had actor. to really police myself. Yeah. Um. I. It's the only one I cheated on. I. I watched episode nine. And I went, fuck that. I'm going episode 10 because, <laughs> because the the blowing up of Terminus, I was like, I cannot go to sleep cannot on that. Hang. Mm-hmm. It was about one in the morning when I finished episode nine and I went, okay, I'm staying up and watching episode 10. <laughs> Where's that kid? Let me start bottle feeding him so I've justified it. Exactly. <laughs> no, he, he's been pretty much sleeping through the night and he oh, did sleep good. through the night that night, but he wakes up at like 5.30. So I, I made my peace with what I was doing. Okay. It was, right. it was what it was. Um, I did not sleep well that night. But I did have a great time. Okay. And I think, honestly, the exhaustion mode that I was in <laughs> lent itself to this episode because okay. the emotional beats struck me so much better. Because, mm, you know, when it gets late at night and you are just mm-hmm. susceptible to that sure. kind of emotional manipulation yeah. by media. And I was there. And so, you know, especially I, I just rewatched it before we recorded tonight. I was feeding my son while rewatching it. So he watched it with me. He, big He's going to be exposed to such yeah, a wonderful yeah. canon of television. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so he's a big fan of Foundation. He told me to tell David Goyer that. But uh, he's nine months old, David Goyer, if you're listening. But um, the, the point is, I was watching this and I was watching the scene where they all show up in the vault. And I remembered getting like choked up the night I first watched it. Because, oh, really? Wow. Because I was so like, oh my God, everyone's here. I just felt like the desperation of Constant. Okay. And how she just felt so alone. And she has this moment of defeat where she has to admit to Hober silently. Sorry, admit to uh, Polly silently mm-hmm. that Hober's gone. And he gives her, you know, that that one-on-one emotional embrace. But then all of a sudden she realizes... It's not that everyone I ever knew is dead. It's actually everyone is here. And it just felt really like genuine to me. The this these emotional highs and lows that the episode was toying with. Um, I, I it's think really interesting. That, I think that the same thing worked with me for most of the Gail storyline. Okay. The mom didn't work for me. That felt very forced. (laughs) That felt very, very forced. A little weird. Um, I will say, and I'm not going to disrespect any actors here, but I think that I am glad to say goodbye to Salver Harden. Oh, really? I think she was, she had her moments, but I was getting really tired of the shtick. Okay. And, okay. And you know the coin flip, cool kid, uh-huh. and I am fine with her being gone. Okay. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I I know that you know David Goyer said. Well, this we're is going getting to, into our season wrap. So sure, sure. Yeah. So careful. Sure. I'll. Don't, I'll. We'll get into season wrap later. But I yeah. I think that that worked for me. You know the way she was written out because of the way it opens up possibilities for the future, and overall, I mean. Lee Pace was amazing in this episode. The whole performance during the fight. Um, Bill Rios finally got his moment. Hober had some great one-liners. You know, uh, is is a frog's ass watertight. Mm-hmm. That was great. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I really enjoyed the episode quite a bit. Uh, okay. There were a couple. The, the the biggest thing that didn't work for me, I think, was when they revealed the spacer plan. It felt very scripted. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did not feel natural. It did not mm-hmm. feel like natural dialogue. That felt like we all rehearsed this beforehand and we're going to tell you day now and you mm-hmm. suck. You know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was my biggest complaint. But other than that, I think the episode really worked. Anyway, mm-hmm. I've talked enough. What do you think? I will say that this was not my favorite episode of the season, and it's down a little bit near the bottom for me. I don't, I didn't have the same emotional highs. I didn't watch it until we had recorded our episode nine, um, partly because of life and partly because I like, I was like, oh, I'm really going to hold myself out. Um, it would be interesting. I think, you know, we often talk about what are the emotional reactions to media streaming versus paced out, you know, week on week out kind of thing. And so it'd be interesting to watch nine and 10 back to back to see if I have any different Mm -hmm. um, uh, perspective on it. I overall, there was some stuff that I loved and there was some stuff that I was fine with. And then there were some other stuff that I was not fine with. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a little bit too much wrapped up in a neat bow. And I think the, t- the two things that really kind of irked my sensibilities were uh, the tellum bit, the you know the fragment of our conscious. Uh, okay. The uh, everybody got to the vault somehow and and survived. And Glaywin actually was alive. I kind of like. Didn't I mean, it, need it that. takes a long time for something to fall to atmosphere. I think we saw an abbreviated version of it because so I'm not of the TV. I don't have a problem with everybody getting into the vault and the vault getting off the planet. Uh, that that's fine, uh, and I agree because it does take a long time for mm-hmm. stuff to, to fall into the atmosphere, even something that big. Uh, and then the spacer thing, and um, these things were, and I think there might have been one or two other things that were fine. It was it was that. The first thing was, is this episode had a lot of that stuff. We got to wrap this plot line up. We got to wrap mm-hmm. that plot line up. We got to wrap this one over here. So we had all these things that had to be taken care of. And it was a lot crammed into a single episode. And there was a lot of um, it, what felt like sort of perfect ex machina style stuff like, oh, well, we can't show you everybody running to the vault. We want some surprise. Okay, I get that. But then there was no, there was nothing that clued me in where I could uh, form a theory or or make a supposition. Will they get off? Will they, won't they kind of thing? There was no drama. It was just like, look, mm. we tied everything up. It was yeah. nice and neat and ta-da, it's great. Yeah, I, I think if you go back and look for clues, they're there. For example, I think that's the reason that the church was filled with junk. They were the just- church- holding uh holding scraps there in episode nine you think church, that was junk it seemed didn't seem junk to me it looked pretty junky in there it uh, looked it looked okay. i thought it looked ki- kind of like a, a storage closet <laughs> i mean the whole of terminus city is kind of a i mean for as technologically advanced they still f- feel pretty hard scrabble but if it was always the plan then uh you wouldn't really want to build up too much now would you you want to be able to go in a pinch Right. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know. That feels like too much work that I I have to do. I didn't take it as junk in there. I took it as okay. that was. I kind of did. I was like, I when they walked okay. into the church, I was like, oh, this is kind of dingy in here. Mm. But all of Terminus is kind of dingy, except for like the conference room. <laughs> so that, yeah. that was my opinion. Yeah. All, right. So. all right. All right. But did the question is did the Terminoans or whatever we decided to call them. <laughs> 
did they know? Herman and Owens. <laughs> how did, how was the, you know, did, did Harry broadcast out and say, hey, everybody come to the vault, you know, or what, like what, there was no mechanism to show us their uh, exodus. There was no drama yeah. or stakes in it. It was just presented yeah. to his fate accompli. And that kind of bothered me a little bit. The, well, he did, he did speak with Selmac, right? Sermac. Yeah, but but th- there was no there was nothing there was no leading conversation that then cut off like so, Sermac, I got something I got to talk to you about. Cut. Well, not that right? we saw. Yeah, I, well, I think no, it's all it, it's all that they wanted us to be surprised, and perhaps and I, you're right to feel a little bit cheated from that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have any anticipation for the surprise reveal, and everything was tied up with a nice neat bow. You know the uh, the the vault escaped. Dawn and uh, Sarath got away. Um, Boohoo, uh, Salvor. But hey, there were only two cryopods anyway, so you know that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just everything just felt a little bit too polished for me. There was no stakes. I mean, if 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 you're gonna kill Glaywin, kill him. You know. Uh, you know, I, you- actually, I'm I'm going to disagree with you there. I did really like Glaywin realizing that he was alone there. I mm-hmm. think that that was that was a moment that made me go fuck. You know, when he's when he's watching Constant hug her dads, and he's like, "Oh my god, I don't have that." Sure, and I guess it makes a counterpoint to Bell and Hober dying needlessly in a way. Yeah, um, but at the same time, like the the whole thing, yeah, with the spacer, like. Oh, I just happen to have the code in my arm, and they're all going to jump and destroy each other. Mm-hmm. It was just like it, it was all to, the castling device with uh, with Day and and. Uh, uh, oh no, I really like the castling. I think. I mean, that we the knew that was coming. One, I think the spacer was a little bit. That was the one thing that I agree with you that it was not executed well. I think that that was like we talked about before the the dialogue was a bit stilted. It was a yeah. bit on the nose, you know. Well, so we played from, you. We played you. That was the line that really got me. Right, um, right. From Hober, and and for me, it's like when you when you stack all of them up, it just was it was too a little bit too much for me. Okay, the okay. from an enjoyment that doesn't diminish my enjoyment of the season. It doesn't in, diminish my enjoyment of the story overall. I don't disagree with the decisions that were made. Like I'm fine mm-hmm. with the vault escaping. I'm fine with Salvor, you know, sacrificing herself because it means something. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Not fine. Losing bell and Hober. Um, oh, I'm going to miss Hober. Yeah. Big time. And, and bell was great. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, I have no problem where we've left the story and, and Hatton and necessarily the decisions that were made to get us to those termination points. It just felt from a TV standing standpoint, I just felt like, oh, well, here's just one sweet spot after another. Everything's just wrapped up nicely. Okay. So, and it it did somehow didn't ha- have a punch for me. Okay. It was just like, eh, it was fine. So I'll be the hype guy for this one. That's y- fine. Hey, I'm still hyped for the season. Don't don't get me wrong. No, right. I love All this right. season. This is this is definitely high in the top ten for the year. All right, very cool. Well. I think uh, we have some other notes to get to just before our breakdown. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a few open questions we can uh, put to rest. 
So these are just the open ones. Who tinkered with Day's aura? Well, we figured that one out. And did we mm-hmm. learn more about the blind angels? Well, we didn't learn more about them, but we know how they were hired. That All that is amazing. Mm-hmm. The Demerzel storyline. Woo! That was yeah, five. 10 out of 10. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. No notes. Um, the Prime Radiant. We still got some questions about its sentience and what are the rules around its super positioning. And, um, you know, what some of the mechanics of the vault are, it's pretty black box, mystery, magic-y stuff. We learn nothing about Calais and how, uh, how or what she is, but we do know that Harry was made real, but is he, what is he? I'm starting to trend that he's just a plain old normal human. Yes. I I think that that must be at this point. I don't think a robot would have fallen asleep in cryo. (laughs) <laughs> that's a yeah, good point. That's a very good point, actually. I didn't think mm-hmm. of that. Um, who is Demerzel? Um, some people know, some people don't. It doesn't really matter, except that to say that there's a huge history for her. Uh, how did Harry return? Okay, well, we got that one solved. And I think we had some question about, you know, how at what level is Demerzel able to kill uh, Cleon? And it, it really just comes down to their genetic drift, how far they drifted out of that. Yeah, um, I I actually, I think that it's it's more complicated than we thought now. Okay. I think it's more complicated than that now. Um, we can go into it deeper later, but my overall thought is she, her, her mission is to preserve the dynasty, whether right. that means killing one Cleon, several Cleons, Interesting. or more. Mm-hmm. The only one she couldn't hurt at all was Cleon the first. Right. That's right. what I think. Okay. And then the the clones, she's exponents. she's meant to to preserve the dynasty. As long as there are exponents, she can kill a Cleon. Right. In that way, my love is tripled, and oh, that should boy. be enough, brother. <laughs> oh man, Cleon the first is so creepy. <laughs> culty, super culty. Yeah. That's uh, an ick, as the kids say. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So those, I think we pretty much answered most of our, our questions. We just have some stuff about the vault and the prime radiant and Calais, I think are really the only really big mysteries that are left open. If there's more mysteries that we have not mm-hmm. put to rest right in for we, our we season. We still don't know though, if Harry is terminally ill still, as that he is was a good before point. he died. Okay. Is I would still raise Harry that. still terminally ill? We kind of scratched that when, um, when, when he was resurrected. We didn't know if he was robot mm-hmm. or not. Okay. Cool. Certainly Terminus was terminally ill, but I'm not sure about uh-huh. Harry. It was terminal nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. So write, write in if you've got any big mysteries uh, that you want to add to the list, and we'll hold them for season three, and we'll see what they do. Apparently, season three is written, according to David. Uh, so- um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, you can't hire the actors to film it anyway. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna, you're not there. We're not getting that for a couple of years, probably. No. All right. So I, I don't know how much our production notes matter anymore. I read the books you read, the, but a long time ago and I pretty much forgot them, but I only read the core books. John, you read the first one. We've got screeners, but we're watching the last one. So that's done. Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah, we, you know, uh, I'll be listening to the official podcast uh, and a couple of other different podcasts after this episode uh, airs, and we'll probably have a few, you know, points and, and correction things that we'll add into the conversation for the season wrap. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, David, let's do the episode breakdown. Sounds good. All right. We start with the mystery of Harry's return. 
we get a voiceover from Gail. And I'm going to save the voiceover dialogue for the end because it's really, we only have the the monologue at the beginning and at the end, and it's actually one continuous statement. So we'll, we'll just okay. read it at the, at the very end. That works. And then we get a series of intercut scenes showing and telling us how Gail was able to save Harry and how they were able to keep his not-death a secret. The reunion is cut short when the rest of the sighted show up at the beggar and explain that they had been under Tellum's control as well. All hail the Trinity. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. So did you, did you buy that, that they were all under her control? Are they going to behave now that she's gone? I did buy that they were under her sway. And that makes her really powerful and a, a bigger monster than yeah. we really knew. The thing that I had an issue, I had an issue with this as part of the ending. All the clues were there and, you know, and it's fine. And I'm, I'm fine with the ending point. The fact that Gail was able to keep up the illusion and, they were able to pull this off. It was a little, it just strained me a little bit. It was just a little too, you know, too kind of neat, a new, too neat of a solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to argue against you and then with you. Okay. So first against you <laughs> is Gail has a power that was foreign to tell him. She is clearly more powerful okay. off the bat than tell him. She can see the future. Which is why I tell him was so eager to have right. uh, Gail with her. So right. and to use her to take over her body, that makes She's, it more plausible that Tellum could have been fooled by Gale, right? That that can, Gale could have surpassed her powers. Okay, that, that's a point. Can I can I ask you a, a silly question? What what's her M count? Oh no! Oh my no. god! <laughs> <laughs> Midichlorian. Anyway, moving on, around, moving huh? on, moving yeah, on. All right, all right. Um, anyway, on the argument for you, I would say. It does seem like Gail went really quickly from not knowing how to use her powers at all to being yeah. able to thwart this big bad. Right. That I don't know if that felt earned. Yeah. It, and it, and, and I, it, I'm with you on that. It, and it was just like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I tricked the guard, and uh, yeah, you know, it just, it was just too neat for me. There, you know, and and then it was, mm -hmm. we didn't have that many clues. So yeah, and again, I'm not. I'm fine with the where we ended up. It, it was just getting there. I, I didn't feel great about. Um, we have to point out that uh, Discord user Neil Voss Lab wins some internet points because he posted on the Discord on Harry. Didn't Gail say that she felt water filling up his lungs, not that he had died? Yeah. Boom. You yep. you. We've got a new. We've got a new. Uh, Internet point emoji on the Discord. We're going to definitely give you uh, that sticker when Good after job. the episode. Good job, Good job Neil Boss. From Lab. Cyrus, by the way, we should we should yes, uh, Cyrus. Thank made that Cyrus for, for our internet point sticker that he made. It's very cool. Um, so the one other sort of thing that strained me a little bit is like, okay, so Gail's keeping up this concentration, but then what happens if she's sleeping or what if she stubs her toe right when she's walking past tell him like how <laughs> I, I don't know the rules for it just seem a little bit loose for me so mm -hmm. you know yeah um a couple of uh small notes too um there was a little production oversight when harry was 
climbing the cliff and he looks back down to the pool, there was no body in the pool. <laughs> there was a, there was just like no body. Froze, free, freeze framed it. There's no body down in there. So, Maybe he, but, he but, went under for a minute. All yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other interesting thing is that in a, at one point when he's resting in one of the caves, he clutches the heartbeat monitor that Yana had given him back at the university when they were pregnant. And that little vault shaped thing with the two little uh, right. heartbeat lights. So I haven't noticed it in a prior episode until now. And they show him, they make a point of him clutching it. And then they make a point of him clutching it when he's in the cryopod at the end as well. So how does he have that? If he uh. was killed on the, I forget the name of the ship that was going out, the slow boat that left from yeah, Trancher. Whatever it was, that's fine. And he was digital and then reincarnated. How did he get that? That's a great question. And I don't think you're Markleying it. I think no, I don't uh, think this. <laughs> I think this is real. This is not a Markley. If we talk to David Goyer again, we got to ask him about this. I'm putting this on the open question. Um, I like it. I like it. Great, great detail, David. Monitor. Great work. Thank you. Internet points to you. Uh, I got to win them. But anyway, so it's a it's an interesting, interesting thought. OK, anything else for this scene? No. Now you got me thinking that Kale was mm, a much bigger Yana. plan. And yes. if this is not explained, I will be very upset. <laughs> uh, oh, and well, I will mention this. There's the girl that they push forward to kind of be the spokesperson. There's a couple of weird things later on. But I don't know if they're Mark Lays or, or not, but we'll we'll see. Anyway, back on Trantor. Dusk and Rue are confronted by Demerzel, and we learn more about the terrible truth about what Cleon the First have had set in motion. We learn that Demerzel was the one who hired the Blind Angels as part of her plot to frame Queen Sereth, whom we see arrested by Markley. Mark, the return of Markley. He's back. He's back. Demerzel is forgiven by Dusk, and Demerzel carries out her directives. This scene was great. I loved this whole yeah, confrontation. Yeah. Just everything about their interaction, right? I mean, the whole him basically saying, you know, I, I've always loved you. you. I think you've loved me. Her talking about him as a one-year-old because she has mm, perfect memory, right? Yeah. He is yeah. as real to her as a one-year-old as he is now. And yeah. she now has to murder this guy because yeah. her code is going to make her. I'm really glad that they spared us showing the uh, of Demerzel the, in the act of killing them. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the the violence of grabbing Rue's wrist was enough to really mm -hmm. communicate the 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 like the hardness value of a robot. This robot is going to kill you. There's nothing you can do about it. Yep. And yep. and just the way that she grabbed her really communicated that. And I did not need to see the actual death happening. Mm-hmm. So. And of course, we know later that Dusk was really playing yes. Demerzel a little bit here. Yeah, he marked and her with the traitor's green. Yeah. I, I I think what he was saying was genuine, but he also wanted to save Dawn. Yeah, agreed. Right. Yeah, because they had, they were kind of a buddy. They were like buddy cops, right? Yeah. I think I think both things can be true. He can love Demerzel mm -hmm. and fear her. And the 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 horror of being a mother that is like that that is forced to kill their child. Like the whole thing around Demerzel is just horror. 
It's just a horrible situation. She's not free. The Cleons are not free. Everyone is a puppet. The puppet, you know, the puppet master who 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 uh, pulls her own strings. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleon the first was is he demented? Is he is he ego maniacal in some way? Like it is really a shocking thing that he's established and, and this perpetual motion machine that is just trapped in its little locked cycle. It's, it's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. It's what, it, what is his end goal? Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> because this clearly is not a situation where anybody's happy. This guy's dead. The original guy's dead. Yeah. His, his descendants are pissed off about everything and feeling inadequate and the empire is crumbling. Demerzel is miserable. It's just, and all because he couldn't trust her, right? I mean, I, I think, I think honestly, if he had asked her to stay, she might have as his advisor. She loved, yeah. There was a. I think there is some genuine emotion there that is that exists beyond the programming. And they said yeah. that Cleon the first was beloved by all. Oh, don't worship children. Ah. <laughs> it's bad for them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think Cleon the first was worshipped. He was loved by all, all these people, and that demented and warped him in some way to tripling his love and locking in, you know, uh his whatever Demerzel is to his love uh into this really bizarro situation. Ick. All right, I'm done. I'm done saying ick for the night. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay. Uh, I think there's so much more we could talk about uh, with it, this whole situation, but it's kind of season wrap up stuff. I will say Cloud Dominion kind of screwed themselves by <laughs> being able to recover their memories because if Demerzel could have just memory erased uh, Rue, right. she might still be alive. But are you alive without your memories? I don't know. It's an interesting question. Question. Without some of them, I think you would still be alive. Yeah. Yes. But um, <laughs> without all of them, then yeah, I, I, the, yeah. you might have died. Yeah. You're done. All right. Back on Terminus, Day basks in the afterglow of his destructive orgy. As the fleet readies itself to return to Trantor, Day orders the fleet to destroy the seven worlds that had joined the Foundation. After relieving General Rios of command, she bends light, springs the trap that Hober and the Spacers had concocted. Come on, brother, be a man. Claim your conquests. I love that line. Yikes. Um, yeah, I I think I've already said my complaints about the scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to to rehash this again. This was not my favorite scene. I thought mm-hmm. the uh, again the whole we played you in other words right. just felt very modern. And you know we. We got we got a little flack for complaining about cursing earlier in the season, but (laughs) my complaint about it was not the cursing itself. It was this like colloquial nature that felt out of place in the world. Mm -hmm. This is the same thing. This is the same thing. And this was not any kind of profanity. This was just a sentence that felt like it didn't belong. Right. It was out of out of time, out of place a little bit. Right. I did like Bell calling out and being this sort of moral voice, you know, the atrocity, I mean, he's already committed an atrocity right. and that if you carry out the destruction of Thespis, Anacreon, Smyrno, Seychelles, Conum, Deribo, Galiptolfs, Four, and Sowena, eight planets in all, that your 
the moral underpinning of your rule will be instantly eroded. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you you'll just be gone. That'll that'll yep. be it, and and you'll yep. sow the seeds of destruction, and and destroying the fleet. That's a lot of death to save the galaxy. Like Bell even says, a few thousand sailors versus the lives of billions. I don't know, man. If I was on one of those ships that was being cross jumped with each other, I I don't know that I'd feel that way. Right. Well, of course, you never feel that way when it's you. <laughs> um, here's my question for you: If you want to wax on um, on ethics, do you, let's say <laughs> let's say Bell gets to the pearly white gates of Harry Seldon, <laughs> and Harry Seldon opens his book and he says, "Well, Bell, you didn't actually kill anyone." But you did think you killed a lot of people, and you pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. Does he go to Selden Heaven or Selden Hell? <laughs> mm. Interesting. Wait, g- killed all eight planets, or killed uh, Termino? Termin- Terminus. Oh, right. Termites. Yeah, because he doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Did he commit? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good mm. question. You pulled the trigger for genocide. Yeah, you did. Does right. that does, does that make you that guilty? Bar you from. Uh, yeah. 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 Interesting. From, from Sel- it's like Seventh Heaven. Remember that show? It's terrible. Oh God. But yeah. uh but Selden I, I'm Heaven. Trying to forget you know? it. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm trying <laughs> that's to allude going to at. here. I gotcha. Yep. Going for something here. I'm not sure if it's getting there. No. Uh okay. So compressed scene, day and uh, there's a couple of scenes that are inter uh, cut with each other, and I just kind of compressed them to make this yep. a little bit easier. Day and Hober fight. Constant gets a shot in, and then Bell and Day have a knockdown drag out. Day beats Bell and goes to space him, but Bell uses the castling device and switches places with Day. Bell gets Constant and Hober, no, gets Constant off the ship using the maintenance module, and we learn that Constant's name is not really Hope. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was a good scene. That yeah. end part. Um, well, the whole thing was good, but I really liked that line at the end. But wouldn't that be something? Because they've constantly just been giving banter back and forth, and she makes one last quip, but she doesn't really milk it. Right? She kind of leans into the drama mm-hmm. of it, yeah, and leans into the longing of wouldn't that be something? And that that really got me. Again, this was like three in the morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm very emotional at this point and it it worked for me um i also because it was late when i first watched i completely forgot about the castling device mm-hmm. until it happened oh, okay <laughs> and then i was like what like i did not expect day to be on the outside of the ship at all and the way the costuming and the scene looked it took me even a second even though i saw the sort of digital blip, you know, and I was like, yeah, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what's going on here? And they and dropped you, and it. And you see the the capris on Lee Pace because right. the clothes are too small on them. <laughs> the, they dropped the castling device in nine. Remember when they were in, when Bell right. went into, yep. you know, yep. so they, they play, they, so that's the thing I think for a lot of these things is, mm-hmm. you know, we saw Hober, you know, with the implants in his wrist as part of the cuffs. And then Rios was going to cut them out. But then, you know, that they were part of some bigger secret plot. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it was there, but maybe just we needed one. Maybe I needed one more more obvious uh, clue for that. Um, and Hober is going to play it off well, no matter what, because he's a master trader. I get all that. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, earlier in the season, we did speculate that the Spacers did actually 
accept the deal and that this was all a ruse. And I think that paid off. I think that paid off. So I get the surprise, right, to, to you know, get us surprised. Oh, the Spacers did, you know, uh, in the end go for it. But they played the the um, the conversation and the delivery of Hober to the foundation so convincingly that, yeah, I didn't see it coming. And, and again, it just felt too neat. Okay. You know, he, so. he did. He did panic quite a bit when Bell tried to take out the implant. He did. That's true. That's true. And so. that did feel off mm-hmm. because why wouldn't you want that the, uh, spacer the thing out? hardware yeah. out? Yeah. Because he was too cool for school a minute ago. He's like, oh, I was going to ask you about mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. if you didn't know what it was and you didn't want it. Why yeah, that's would a good you point. Freak out that he's about to cut it out. Yeah, it is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I, I, so I, th- I they do were trying to upon rewatch. It. Yeah. And and perhaps I have an advantage because I watched nine ten because remember I had to, exactly I had to yep. do that and then I went back and rewatched nine before our coverage. Mm-hmm. So I think that I had a little bit of benefit of right. of going back and looking for clues. Right. Which you know you want the episode to stand without having to do that yeah necessarily. Yeah. So anyway. Um, I am glad that Isabel Laughlin is going to be back as, uh, hopefully, you know, if we get a season three, uh, she's great as brother constant. She's great. I'm, I'm really, mm-hmm. I was, and I said this when she first popped up on screen, I was like, okay, I'm not sure if I like this character, but she's really grown on me and I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to see. It, it, it seemed like her. an absurd con, <laughs> an absurd, uh, concept. I almost said an, an absurd constant, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, it really did work by the end. She was great in this. Um, the question is at the end of this season, are we going all the way forward to 152 years or are mm-hmm. we going to make some pit stops? Yeah. And if we are going all the way forward, will we do flashbacks? Because right. I do like a lot of these characters. Wish Hober were still around because he was my favorite this season. Yeah. But yeah. you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting how, how they make the, the time jump. Uh, and then if we'll have multiple timelines. Could yeah. we have instead of doing flashbacks? Could we one timeline is here and one timeline is there, um, right? And uh, you know, at some point they intertwine. So yeah. that'd be I, fun. I will say that uh, Bell looked absolutely ridiculous with the blood on his face, wearing yep. gay's chainmail and <laughs> yeah. floofy pants. He just does not fit into the Lee base wore those so well. <laughs> I know, I know. So. But it worked, um, right, for the scene because it was yeah. it did feel unnatural in a way that made really a lot of it's sense true. for what happened. Yep. And the and the beautiful poetry of Day spinning towards the destruction that he caused was, you know, it was a nice bit of TV poetry. So it was. That was great. All right. Compressed scene again on Trantor. Dawn confronts Demerzel and sees the green mark that Dusk put on her neck. Dawn rescues Sareth from her room and hints that they're going to hide in plain sight. Yeah, um, reminds me of uh, the season one D- Don, who was running through the sewers with. Yeah, that's I don't right. Remember the name of his girlfriend, and neither does anybody else in that universe because they Don Day erased <laughs> all trace of her. Right. Um, with that finger turn. Yep. Yeah, the Dons are a little bit rebellious, aren't they? They're always bucking the trends. They are. And Young love. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, I don't have much to say here. Just the. Um, it looks like Demerzel has her own troops. They've got a silver flourish instead of gold. The, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, the troops that were sort of in front of her had the silver filigree. Well, the ones that were buying that we normally see have gold. So I don't know if that's a thing. 
Um, and I thought it was strange for the guard that was in Sarah's room to shoot the guy who's actually in charge of the planet. Like, yep. Dawn could have just walked in and told him to, all right, you guys, you know, beat feet, uh, get out of the room. Well, Demerzel said, but I'm in charge, you know, like that, that we had to have a little fight. I, I don't, I'm not arguing with the fight. I just thought it was a little strange that the, the guard would shoot his ruler. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess Cleon the first prepared for this, right? He prepared to give her authority over his descendants. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, one last little scene. I think we're going to take a break after this, but on the bridge of the shining destiny, Bell and Hober share Hober's special bottle of wine and toast to Becky. I love that the wine was horrible. <laughs> that was a good twist. That was a great joke. Uh, and, and <laughs> it was a great joke because the whole season hyped up this wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it was yeah. the best wine ever, we would have been like, oh, cool. That's nice if they got to have their like, it wouldn't have been bad if they did that. But this was just such a funny, delightful scene. I really liked the chemistry of Bell and Hober. And they're doing the whole, like, you can really taste the, um, yeah, Yeah. you know. (laughs) They're trying to bullshit each other. (laughs) It reminds me of The Office where Michael Scott goes, has sort of an oaky afterbirth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's a really bad image. I don't need that in my head. So (laughs) Anyway, I really liked it. I liked how Hober kept poking fun at the toasts and Bell Mm -hmm. was basically like, all right, fine. I'll go Honor in the dying. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those who those who uh, choose fight to fight and ask and why. Ask why. And, yeah. And Nober's and like, to Becky's our soul. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it tells, we, tells a lot about him. Yes. Yes. We uh, will have to take a break and we'll be back with uh, the rest of Becky's our soul after <laughs> oh this God. commercial. <laughs> And we're back as surely as a frog's ass is watertight. <laughs> we're, we're we're grubbing in the dirt here on this podcast a little bit. I'm just quoting the show. I'm you not are. introducing it's anything true. new. You are. I can't uh, I can't argue with that. All right. <laughs> on Trantor, Demerzel and her advisors watch the destruction of the 20th fleet. A fake Dawn and Sarath make an announcement and Dawn calls Demerzel and we learn that they are really escaping and that Sarath is pregnant. Dawn wishes Demerzel well and hopes that she is happy. Oh, I hope you're yeah. happy, mom. Don't please yeah. don't come after me with a murderous rage. You know, she's a robot, right? Mm-hmm. So why does she cry when no one's around to see? I thought I always thought that the emotions on her face were for the people around her to understand how she was mm-hmm. feeling. But this seemed very involuntary. Yeah. And, and maybe I think it's, it's just it's a TV show and we need to see how, how she's feeling because we can't read her mind. No, but, but I think it's one of the central questions of the show. And I think it's one of the things that Asimov set up originally when he was writing these things and with the laws of robotics and galactic empires and all this kind of stuff is you take a premise or an idea. OK, what are oh, robots? OK, well, how would we interact with them? Well, we you know, here's some laws. Here's 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 some parameters under which they would operate. Let's set those in motion in a literary context and see what happens when we, you know, start throwing in different circumstances and different motivations. So I think it's a really interesting thing to see 
this robot who has can display an incredible depth of emotion in one moment and in the next moment turn it off and be entirely objective about her experience and the circumstances that are going on around her. And the question of, does she really feel that? And that, you know, um, this whole question of where do our emotions come from? She even poses that question when she's talking with uh, Dusk and Rue. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, I think it's one of the big cornerstones of the show along with memory and, you know, and all these other kinds of things is right. what is emotion and who can feel emotion and what is authenticity and emotion, all these kinds of things around it. I, so I think it's, it's fascinating for to, to watch Laura Byrne play a robot having quote unquote emotions. Right. Yeah. It, it is really fascinating. I am so curious. I mean, this is the plot line that I think was the centerpiece of the whole season. Oh, this was Demerzel's season. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really oh, fascinated to see what's going to happen next because she is very much the most interesting character in the show. I, you know, Harry Seldon is cool. Gail is cool. Uh, I think I asked if Gail was the problem earlier in the season. <laughs> I guess she wasn't in in a way that I think was dissatisfying to both of us. But um, I, I think she could become the problem again, especially to the mule. Seems to be the right. problem to the mule. For sure. For sure. And just this horrible truth that um, Demerzel is trapped in for, you know, for every waking moment with perfect recall, all of the things that she's done and ha continues to have to do and to be trapped in the cycle, knowing that she can never escape. It's that's that is horror. That is horrific mm -hmm. to not have choice. She's got all the power, but she has no choice. It's and, it's an incredible storyline. To be absolutely alone, right? Mm, that's a no really one good knows point. the amount of information she knows. She is a hundred percent alone with this. It's not like how what we thought at the beginning, where she's really serving these emperors' empire. Mm -hmm. um, but she is instead withholding knowledge and really the true ruler sitting on an invisible throne. And, pu and pulling her own strings, the puppet mm -hmm. that pulls its own strings. That's just an incredible conception. Unable to even tell someone about it if she wanted to, right? Because then she'd have to kill them based on her programming. <sighs> you know, yeah, she just can't kick back with another robot and have a drink. Go to the robot bar and, you know, dance robot. Oh, on the Mandalorian? Yeah, with right, Jack exactly. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's, she's ultimately alone. That's, it's a really incredible story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, over on Ignis, a fragment of Tellum takes over Josiah, who then tries to kill Gale. Salver sacrifices herself and, herself and takes the shot. Yeah, I think Josiah was just a name they liked. I don't think there was yeah. any biblical reference there. <laughs> uh, I think that's been uh, shut down. No mule. No mule. Sorry, all. No mule. I think there was some chatter. I haven't. I've been busy the last couple of days, so I haven't seen all. I've been paying attention to all the chatter on the Discord, but I think. Somebody was talking about how they were glad that it, the mule is not going to be any of the characters that we know, that it's it's a whole new storyline and another person. We don't need this yeah. constantly unfolding symmetry of, of mm -hmm. you know, oh, this person was the person all along or whatever. We have enough secret moms. Exactly. We're done with it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, who leaves gun hand handguns just lying around? I was thinking <laughs> that. We need a gun safety course. 
<laughs> a trigger lock at planet. a minimum. I'm telling you. They need safes. I mean, they have safes, right? They can hide the prime radiant fine. That's they right. They just can't hide. They can lock gun. it up in the beggar. Yeah. It was nuts. Even if it's it's not malicious, like you don't want the kid running up to it and being like, what's this? It was just laying there. <laughs> it was Terrible. just laying there. Terrible. Anyway. Uh, a loaded the, weapon sitting around. That's right. The the USB knife was in action yet again. That thing has got a lot of blood on oh, its Oh, is Josiah going to be reincarnated as the mule? That's right. Um, all right. So I think the thing to take out of this is that somehow the future can be changed, that, there's, that we're not yeah. locked in, that determinism. We may be... F- as individuals called to action in some sort of mass flocking behavior kind of thing or schooling type of behavior. But at the same time, the future is not predetermined. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm taking from this uh, scene in the, in a big picture. Yeah. Salver Harden, you were a character that made me think thoughts. <laughs> not a lot of them were good. All right. I'm sorry. It's but, sad. Yeah. Yeah. The character didn't do it for me. You know, yeah. I, I just, I got to be honest. I think okay. for the whole two seasons, I did not really connect with Salver Harden. Yeah. I don't know what it was, if it was the dialogue written, if it was the performance style. I, I don't want to blame anyone. It just yeah, did yeah. not work for me. Sure. Fair enough. Um, One weird little thing. So during the funeral... The girl with the throat tattoos, who sort of turns out to be kind of a de facto, a quasi leader here. Is that um, a new novel? Yes, the girl with the throat <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> um, she, during the funeral, she looks over at, there's, there's, um, there's three of them standing in line. And on the far end is a younger girl with sort of longer hair. And she sort of looks over at her and the camera makes sure that we see that shot. And then at the yeah. end, um, there's another scene when they're going into the cryopods where the same throat tattoo girl looks at the other little girl meaningfully again. So there's just something weird there. I don't know what it is. Agreed. And it's not like a little glance or just a little action in the scene. It's like, I'm looking at you and the camera sees me looking at you. So I don't know what's up with that. I hope they don't bring Tellum back again. Yeah, I was really nervous about that. I was like, no, just that's going to jump the shark for me if Tellum yeah. comes back. Yeah, and uh, the same thing if Hober or Bell survive that blast, jump in the shark if any of those characters come back. It, it you know, and I, I for whatever reason, Salvor's storyline doesn't carry through. Well, they only had two cryopods. You know, they had to, I don't know. I just didn't need tell. I didn't need a fragment of Tellum. You know. It's it's like the the dead, you know the the horror, you know in a horror film, you know when you killed the ba- kill the bad guy, oh but you didn't really kill him. They got one more strike at you, and you know I, mm-hmm. it just I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I, w- I was fine with the way it happened. Honestly, okay. I I like that she took the most vulnerable of, of them, sure. mm-hmm. and she took him over with the last fragment of herself. Right. Right. I think that that made a lot of sense for her character desperately clinging to life. You know, she needs a big mm. ceremony to take over a person fully. Mm-hmm. She can hide in someone's mind. I think sure. that makes sense for that character because she With was extremely life. powerful. She, she was. was extremely powerful. 
I buy that she can do this. That was fine for me. With my last breath, I spit at thee. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? Uh, I have not. Oh, with Ricardo Montalban playing Khan uh, when he's in his dying scene, giving Kirk the what what. It is uh, is some <laughs> fabulous acting. I don't know. We have to. We might have to add that one to the old man movie list. Oh boy, I've yeah. only seen some some uh, original series. I've I've seen like a season of it. I got to finish it. I did enjoy it. My daughter, I've talked about on this podcast before. She loves staring at at, at um, Spock. At Spock, yeah. Right. I don't know why, but she sees him and she's like. <gasps> <laughs> she's like really into Spock. So maybe me my daughter and I can watch some the original series and then watch some Wrath of Khan if it's age appropriate. I'm totally putting Wrath of Khan on the uh on the old man movie list. All Wrath right. I'm into it. Khan. It's awesome. It it's really it's, Can you watch it standalone? Yes, you can. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it, you can totally do it because the first movie um the Star Trek Mo- the motion picture, the first of that of that line, that lineage, is a bottle episode. It's just self-contained. It's over when it's over, and it's okay. kind of this weird movie in the lineup. Star Trek Two starts a whole th- uh, line of uh, subsequent stories that you don't have to have watched, but it really helps to have watched Star Trek Two uh, in. But the um, that storyline is really self-contained. It has a great dramatic tension, great action sequences, okay. really shows off the whole of, of Star Trek, Kirk and Spock and, you know, the whole thing. And it's got stakes and it's really poignant. So it's it's good. All right, I'm in. Let's do okay. it. Cool. All right, as Constant begins to, <laughs> as we digressed for, what, 10 minutes to talk about Star Trek? You gotta. Yeah. Uh, as Constant begins to run out of O2, she's rescued by... The Vault. We learn that the Vault is not was not only able to escape destruction, the destruction of Terminus, but also to save the entire population, including Glaywin. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've already talked about m- most of my thoughts on this scene. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It was just a little too hand wavy for me. The Magic Vault can do lots of magic cool things. Um, so it was a little. Uh, yeah, and and I didn't have any clues it was just like they all show up and there's swelling music you know there was nothing to clue me in that this was possible mm-hmm. right you know if if ho if if harry had said something to somebody like when day was marching out towards his shuttle and harry says to polly who's who's just planted his flag there right just like uh, Polly, I'm going to need you or, you know, we've got one more thing to do or something. You know, I just needed one little yeah, piece of or something. The foundation will continue or something. I, yeah. I get you. I get yeah. you. I think I think this was really the product of they really wanted you to be genuinely surprised. And I was. Yeah. And I was yeah. delighted by it. Okay. So it worked for me. It didn't work for you. It happens that That's way. That's the way it goes. Yep. 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 All right. Gail reviews the prime radiant looking for a sign that Salvor's death mattered. Harry tries to comfort her. Yeah, um, I did really like the scene. I thought, mm-hmm. I mean, any any time that these two actors get together, it's really great. I think they play off each other really well. I've always loved their chemistry. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And he really does become Grandpa Harry for a little bit, right? Doesn't he? I think the whole arc of this season has been taking the digital version of Harry, who is cold-blooded and, and just an algorithm, 
into a Starts warm... off screaming, I was conscious! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and to to the ending scene, which, you know, we'll get, get to where he's kind of a nervous dude about to, you know, go into cryo and he's having to follow Gale's lead. This is the one time where the power dynamic switches and Gale oh, right, is the one right. in control and Harry's not and he has to rely on her as opposed to, oh, mm-hmm. that's a really nice turn. I hadn't thought about that. And he tries to turn her into a god, of course. <laughs> At least she's not a child that's going to get worshipped. Yeah. So. Well, but she basically goes like, no, I'm not. We're not doing that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. not doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's Plan interesting. Over. That's actually also a really good observation that that it's, we tried it your way. Now we're going to try it my way, which is we do right. this together. Yeah, it's a really good observation. I like that. Yeah. And again, it's yeah. all part of Harry turning because normally the old Harry would have just rejected that out of hand. God damn it, I'm Harry Seldon. We, you do what I say, right? But now they're actually working in partnership and he's actually taking on her suggestions. Well, he's had a lot of prime to think. <laughs> John. <laughs> I'm waiting for a she who does something joke. So I, I, I don't have any right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't have see any. If you... maybe, maybe we'll, I'll save it for the wrap up. All right. Uh, would that happiness have made us complacent? This is Harry um, thinking back on Yana and, and being a father. You take the pain and the what ifs and you weave them into a narrative that propels you forward. So kind of a, a, a way to make sense out of sort of all the destruction and death that's uh, swirling around them because it'd be pretty easy to fall into a, 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 a not great headspace, right? So, yeah. yeah, and and he had to learn that sort of the hard way with Yana and his his unborn child being um, murdered. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a beautiful line and it was delivered really well. And yeah, I, I couldn't ask for any more of the scene. Right. All right. On Trantor, Demerzel decants a new set of exponents and opens up the prime radiant. So <laughs> this is unprecedented. Aren't you tired <laughs> of that word? Yes, it really is. The the last like. Five or six years, I've heard that word more than any other time in my life. Yeah. And I'm tired of it. And we just need to stop. We need to agree as a society to find synonyms. We cannot (laughs) keep using the same word to describe everything we go through. Anyway. Thesaurus. Just ask Google thesaurus, right? You know? Yeah. Get a different word. Yeah. I listen to a few. I, I do listen to a few political podcasts and sort of keep track of what's going on. And yeah, unprecedented is the word of the year. Or, or Just stop doing years. it. Stop doing it. You heard it here first. So Demerzel has the Prime Radiant and can she kind does. of read it. So that is a mm-hmm. really interesting turn of events. I think that's a big deviation from the books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because there's no Prime Radiant in the books. And uh, yeah, wrote, so this is some whole new cloth that they're inventing here. So I think that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm yeah. down for it. Will the Prime Radiant lead her to freedom? Oh, that's a good question. Because if the Prime Radiant has some kind of sentience... Or some sort of connectivity to whatever Yana is. Mm-hmm. Could the Prime Radiant start to alter or steer Demerzel? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. That's I wonder if if a robot, if another robot would be able to hold her down and rip the chip out. Oh, that would be interesting, right? Yeah. That would be interesting. Like, how uh, deadly is she? Because she seems to be convinced, like, you put an army up against her, they won't be able to get the ship out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did take on those blind assassins and got half her head chopped off, uh, and she was still able to, you know. Yeah, but was that intentional? Combat effective. Yeah, I think I, I think 
Yes, because the blind angels, I don't think, you know, they were just sent on a mission, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. like spare. And she but got I, her head I bet head you sliced. part of that was injure me so that I'm plausible. Mm. That's why I'm plausible deni- right. deniability, right? We never talked about the 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 Sarath uh, frame up job. Are you you're down with that? Um, that makes yeah. sense and yeah, everything. I think I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, I think it makes sense, and I like that the mystery was there in front of us the whole time. And it really, a lot of people were speculating, like, what is Demerzel up to, and you know, what what is her agenda, and did she have something to do with it? And I like that she did in the end, but I love even more the reasons that she had no. That was how her programming responded and and executed a set of decisions based on the unprecedented, there's that damn word, set of circumstances that she was facing. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. think that's the more interesting part. The the frame up job is that's a standard, you know, yeah. mystery thriller thriller trope, right? Frame somebody else for the 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 deed. What really is at the root of it is, is that Demerzel, that was the set of choices that Demerzel's programming led her to. Mm-hmm. So. And it almost worked. <laughs> I, I would have gotten away with it except for these damn kids. Except for this damn old man artist. Right. <laughs> exactly. And his attention to detail. All right. On Ignis, Harry and Gail hatch a plan to turn the sighted into the second foundation. Harry proposes to turn Gail into a version of himself. And something more like Harry in the books, because that's what Harry in the book sort of does. Is he sort of comes out as this recording every once in a while. It says a few things, then turns <laughs> off again. Uh, Gail Counter proposes to say that they should both sleep in synchronicity. Uh, okay, we kind of talked about this for a little. I don't know why they had to do it together. Like they couldn't swip swap a little bit or something. You know, I, so. I think I don't know. I don't know. I think. Maybe it was just I want the full version of you mm-hmm. for your full lifespan when you wake up. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. And also I'm not clear on if they're going to wake up periodically together or right. if they're going to be asleep for 152 years. Yeah. I I would and was this that's another question. Was this a year? Did they wait a year before they went mm-hmm. right into the cryopods? Or I did think they so. go immediately into the cryopods? Because it really felt I didn't feel like it was a one year time jump. Yeah, you know, it, it I, felt, I I agree that they did not portray that well, but I I think that it was. I would hope it to was. Be a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like so. There's this thing called psycho history. Here's a prime meridian. Good fucking luck. <laughs> Put us to sleep and yeah. uh, and worship worship Take us like nap. gods <laughs> in in your little temple chamber here. So I would not be comfortable being put on display like that for no. 152 years. Leave me in the beggar. Leave me, you know, just leave There's it. You know, like leave field me. trips to go see these right. <laughs> entombed people. You know, plug me into the technology where the power source is good. And, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it just seemed a little odd. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Harry definitely has the heartbeat monitor with him when he goes into cryo. And then creepy girl number one and creepy number two, uh, creepy girl number two, totally exchange looks. So like, what's that? And then yeah. uh, the one thing that I did love in this scene that I loved, loved, loved was seeing Raish, um coaching Gail. And then having okay. that be how Gail coached Harry. And so Harry's dead son is connecting to him even though he yeah that was know. really beautiful was really sweet and i really miss race a lot i really like that character and that actor so yeah yeah poor race he was really done dirty by this whole thing <laughs> seriously. seriously poor race 
All right, Gail's closing monologue. So this is the opening and close the opening few lines and then the closing, all of it together. When I was a child, I used to ask my mother endless questions. What happens after we die? Where does our energy go? And what about the universe? Can it die? How was it ever born? How could there be nothing and then suddenly something? Close your eyes, listen to my words, and dream. So I've been pondering what this is supposed to mean, and I have no freaking idea. <laughs> I don't know how to interpret it. I don't know. Maybe just like she's dealing with Salver's death. She's kind of wondering where Salver is. A question that what, was brought up, nature? I think it was, I can't remember if it was in the official podcast or another one. Somebody asked a question, who is Gail talking to when she's giving this monologue? And That's Goyer responded... Ah, good question. You know, the the wheel weaves as you know as whatever the version <laughs> of foundation is right. for that. Um, right. So that that's a question that's interesting. And when the close your eyes, listen to my words and dream, that sounds like to me something a parent would say to their kid. After, they're like, mm. stop asking me questions, go to sleep. The wheel weaves. <laughs> that's right. The frog puckers. <laughs> I'm done now. Okay. All right. All right. We're done. Uh, all right, so we get a little teaser, a little, little not post-credit teaser, but we jump 152 years into the future to a vision of the mule in a dark place with the sounds of war all around. The mule says that he's seen her in, a thousands, in thousands of his dreams, but now that she is real in his timeline, he must destroy her before she destroys him. Bum, he has bum, such bum. a spooky voice. Yeah, and his weird glowy eyes. Yeah. I really love the portrayal so far. He's very okay. very Terminator, very um very spooky, very scary. He makes me feel unsettled. Honestly, what surprised me most about this scene was how much he seemed to fear Gail. Mm, yeah. And really genuine fear. He seemed like he was someone struggling with mental illness who was paranoid. Mm, interesting. But at the same time, I'm wondering if Gail is accidentally it, maybe maybe Gail by by trying to keep tabs on him mentally during in her sleep subconsciously Ooh. is turning him psych- into the villain that he is. Interesting, low le- some low level psych warfare that sort of uh, traumatized him. Right, but I think it's like an yeah. unintentional. That would be a really yeah, yeah, cool yeah. twist, right? It's an right. unintentional invasion into his mind mm, that turns him into the psychopath he is. I like that. I like that. I don't know that that's what we're going to get, but I do like it. Hire me, David Goyer. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know how to write TV. I just talk about it. Just I mean, talk about it. I make criticisms that could be unfounded. You know, I, just, I, I, I throw just, popcorn at the screen and make up uh, theories yeah. about you know, second, give me more TV. Characters. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, it's been a long season. It has, and we're, we're triple coverage here. Triple blessings to you, John. Triple blessings. We're indeed. covering that uh, went away, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I wonder if we'll see them again. Um, yeah, because we've got Ahsoka and Wheel of Time all hitting, hitting, uh, and I think Ahsoka this week is going to be big. And in fact, it's about it's it's been on the air for eighteen minutes. Oh so no, should... and it's in theaters too. They're doing yes. a theater thing. I looked it up. There was nothing near me. Not that I have time to go out right now anyway. Right, but yeah. I did. I did check just in case. I'm pretty sure that means that we're going to get a particular character showing up in that show. So Probably. That's a big deal to have it in a the theater. Anyway, we've got some feedback. 
All right, a quick reminder, we're going to do a wrap-up podcast. Marilyn Arpaquila and Maester Anthony are joining us for a double wowzer of a, of a wrap-up. So send in your emails to us at empire at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website, use the contact form or the voicemail feature, and uh, we will get those included into the show. Uh, really quick, Arthur H., you wrote in an email. I'm actually going to push that over to our season wrap because it's a little bit more season wrappy in tone. So um, just so you know that I, I've got your email, but we're going to um, use it next week. So we're going to start off with Jordan M., who emailed us with the subject line, uh, wagging, <laughs> wagging flagellums. <laughs> that caught my attention. He says, salute, gents. With work and vacation, I'm just now catching up on foundation. And of course, that means catching up with all of your always entertaining and informative coverage. Love your term compliment sandwich for my last comments recursing. So he wrote into us at the beginning of the uh, season about the, the cursing, <laughs> about giving okay. us some uh, comment, you know, a comment about cursing. Uh, it's an old nursing trick with patients at times here in Quebec, the Francophone word, we have a saying called a compliment, which is a compliment plus merde, which means shit, which is essentially <laughs> hiding an insult or complaint in a compliment, which made me laugh and think of that. Yes, that is, that like is a that. pretty good, uh, uh, analogous uh, an analog for it. Quickly, without diverging too much, but you both mentioned not knowing what holy FSM meant. FSM stands for Flying Spaghetti Monster, a farcical atheist response to an attempt to teach creationist theory in Kansas City schools back in the day. One could say it is a church of scientism, though not actually a church. As a non-practicing Jewish atheist, I tend to use it instead of holy God or the like. Yeah, I uh, I was familiar with the Flying Spaghetti Monster in all its glory. I uh, just did not know the acronym for it. I I think the redditization of the internet has made us all think a little, in a acronyms. <laughs> right. And if and you quick. don't know the acronym, it's kind of hard to track it down. Right. Because there could be multiple things of the same mm. acronym. Anyway, uh, yes, love the Flying Spaghetti Monster concept. Very funny. It's funny. I, I, for the longest time, I didn't know what FTW meant. And I, I understand the I understood the context, like when somebody said that, you know, for the win. And I was like, and then one day I was like, what the hell does that stand for? And I actually looked it up. It yeah, like, oh. I here's my embarrassing one. <laughs> HBD. I have uh -huh. this Facebook oh. friend. <laughs> I thought it meant how about that? <laughs> how what? Like, how how about that? How about oh, that? how about that? <laughs> Because he would always post happy birthday for these On bands that he liked because he was really into music. Mm -hmm. But I thought he was just saying, how about at Creedence Clearwater Revival? But he, <laughs> he, was, he was saying happy birthday to the band or a member or something. That's a good Anyway, one. that's my embarrassing one. So Write in you your go. embarrassing yeah, internet acronyms that you don't know. Um, all right. Alors, no merit in today's comment. Just compliments mostly as I enjoyed your foundation cover so much. It is almost as much a motivating factor in quickly watching new episodes as the show itself. Indeed, I in in prior to being a podcaster, I had a similar experience where I was like, watch the episode so I can listen to the podcast. Yep, um, yep. So I've certainly started watching things to keep up with the podcast, and I I appreciate that people are coming along for the journey with us. Yeah, absolutely. I must say I was happy to see Selden's return, as I'm not a big fan of killing off a character and bringing them back, only to kill them again. 
curious as to how he is alive, but believe he is either an android or uh, uh, predicted this outcome and somehow prepared himself for drowning. Whilst I love the actresses, I admit to sighing every time we go back to the Gale and Salvor storyline. Just keep giving me Empire, please, and thanks. But with Harry back, it's a bit of a sugar pill with these two characters. Again, nothing against the amazing actors for these two characters. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. There's certainly storylines that work better in this series. I think, and I again, I don't want to say anything bad about Salver Harden, but I think it will work better without her. I think okay. that you, you, I'm glad to have the Gail Harry relationship back in its purest form. Yeah. Yeah. And totally the, the, Empire stuff has been from season one all the yeah, way. Yeah, I, I could watch Lee Pace all day, being Ooh, a day, boy. being different days. Just clone him and yeah. then make him <laughs> act in a, in a whole show with all Lee Paces. If we ever get to talk to David Goyer again, one of the questions I have is about uh, seeing Lee Pace grow. Yeah, I just he's such he's he's really an amazing actor, and I would love to hear some more uh, about him. Anyway, uh, on the Empire front, holy FSM. The Demerzel development leaves me on the edge of my seat and wanting more. I don't think that I've heard a better cut down line as no, you're a sperm led by its wa- uh, <laughs> wagging flagellum. Wagging, thank you. Wagging flagellum, making its random motion, uh, a mistaking random motion for complexity. Damn girl. Ouch. I want a t-shirt on that. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, that was, and she delivered it deadpan. Right, like yes. a ro- in a very sort of robotic, flat way, right, which right. was even more brutal, you know. So right. go do what you're going to do because it's too late to stop you. So go destroy Trantor and yep. have your little orgy yep. and feel good about it. So I think she knew he wasn't making it back from there. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And she, yeah, Bell, yeah, she was hope maybe she was hoping that Bell was would would uh, take him out and then get taken out in the process and then she's got a clean slate from there right yep yep uh, last but not least John I've noticed with foundation and wheel of time which I'm now finally reading inspired by you uh, long a dune head here I don't, okay. I don't know how I inspired that because oh, oh sorry <laughs> dune I thought you were saying I inspired you to read dune I was like I don't know how I inspired yeah. that because I'm not a dune guy but uh, I'm I'm glad that you're reading wheel of time because I love wheel of time yeah clearly. Um, you don't seem a bigger, uh, biggest fan of horny sci-fi. <laughs> ha ha. Care to oh, comment boy. personally? Thanks, David. I'm now totally shipping Lan and Day. LOL. <laughs> horny sci-fi. New genre. Um, I guess what I would say is I like, I'm fine with sex scenes in science fiction and fantasy when they mean something and when they are relevant to the plot. I don't need gratuitous sex right. scenes. Right. right. And uh, things like Constant and Hover together, I was like, eh, what does that do for me? You know, I, I think that all that did was try to manufacture a motivation for her to be sadder when mm-hmm. he was dead. I think that's really the purpose of that. That didn't feel earned to me. I, I don't think that that works for me. In The Wheel of Time, I think Celine and Rand works. I didn't need Egwene and Rand, right? I don't I don't need uh, Alana turning every conversation into a sexual conversation with her students you know i i it's uh there's certain things that i think are gratuitous and kind of take away from the vibe of the show and take away from the mystique of the show whereas i think that in other shows like parts of game of thrones some other parts are gratuitous but parts of game of thrones do it really well for example episode one cersei and jamie 
That is a huge plot point and you need that to happen. Great. Leave it in. Uh, in outside of science fiction fantasy, the white Lotus, excellent sex position in that, you know, I think that there are certainly ways to use sex and intimacy Mm -hmm. in excellent storytelling ways. I don't think foundation and wheel of time have done an excellent job of that. Mm. I I was thinking of uh, Ted Lasso and how they played with that uh, between Rebecca and Ted, uh, Uh you know, I thought uh, that was funny. That was perfect. It was a great wink and a nod to the whole thing. It's like, we don't need office romances. People, men, you know, yeah, right. It was, it was a great way to work with that. So anyway, um, uh, Jordan concludes his email. Wow. Didn't intend for such a long email, but always thanks for the amazing coverage of these great shows. Now following you for Ahsoka wheel of time. And of course, foundation and recently left a review on Apple, though not entirely sure where or which. Okay. Enough rambling <laughs> on to listen to your latest foundation coverage. Cheers, gents. Cheers, gents. Sante PS in episode eight. Tell him randomly said hell at some point that seemed totally out of place and it irked me so much. So much. Touche. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, we got you on our side now. That's right. All yeah, right, Jordan. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we're glad. Hey, he's a walking advertisement for us, you know, covering, <laughs> I, calling I like out all person. of our major coverage. Yeah, I like Jordan. All right. Jordan, uh, write in for the season wrap because yeah. uh, I'd love to have your comments. All right. Yeah. Another big email from Doove71, Loremaster uh, Doove, who is always faithful about writing in for our foundation coverage. He says, that's is how- he, t- Is he faithful or does he believe? All right, I'm done now. Okay. The, <laughs> faithful? The, yeah. Or yes, that is a yeah, good question. I'm, I'm, I'm getting all foundation-y with it. You are. Getting, getting punchy at the end of the podcast. That's how we do a penultimate episode. Totally agree. I have been quiet the last couple of weeks due to family stuff and launching a new business. Da, 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 da. Oh, Great well, interview. congrats, Duve. I hope that yeah. goes well. Yeah, Duve. Uh, always be, be building that pipeline. Uh, Got to keep those clients coming. Keep your next one always uh, on deck. Anyway. I thought, uh, I thought you were suggesting to call Mario and Luigi to lay some pipe. Uh, he says, great interview with David Goyer and cool uh, link in your feedback to this episode uh, that he has already told us Demerzel's original name. And this makes me want to go and read the robot series, but not a chance at the minute as I've got content overload. That I know Duve. I, I see Duve on Twitter saying I want to watch the Wheel of Time, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> I would, uh, my daughter and I were at uh, one of our local community bookstores. It's kind of a new, new, one of those new used bookstores, a little bit of both in there and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, we'd just been out doing some daddy daughter time and, you know, we just stopped in to take a look. And there were so many books that I wanted to read and buy. And I was just like, no, I want to retire. I, I wish I, I know. I just saw someone posted in our book channel on the Discord server. A copy of it's Eon posted his signed copy, their signed copy of the Black Company. Oh, very nice. Since we've been talking about it, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, or or like last uh, holiday season when I got the flu really bad, and then I could just lay around and read during my recovery. That was uh, that was pretty special too. There you go. Yeah. But I don't want to get the flu again. Boy, that was that was rough. Anyway. Uh, on this episode, just so much to chew over, and I think it demands a rewatch to catch all the connections across the seasons. My thinking on this episode is very much how they're setting up the robots to play a very significant role going forward. 
We have been getting teases since the start of Foundation and the robot lore and Demerzel's significance in this episode has laid some serious track for future seasons, I think. John, are you are your spidey sensors, are your robot detector I'm loving leaps it. and bloops turning I, I, on? I feel the same as Duve that I want to read the robot series now. Mm-hmm. Though now I'm afraid of Asimov after reading the first Foundation book. Hey, they're all short stories. Dry. They're yeah, short stories. Yeah. So, you know. That and and I'm sure because I think the robots were written later, right? So he probably uh, evolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Foundation was the bigger stuff, and then robots came later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. later, later was the sort of reincorporate, you know, the reweaving them all together. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, from the show, are you feeling that Goyer's uh, laying out robot track? I think he wants the robots involved for sure. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Cool. I'm into it. In relation to this episode, Harry most certainly recognizes what Demerzel is and potentially who she is as AI recognizes AI. Cleon, the first putting in the Chekhov's chip, I think will be connecting to, connected to Harry giving Day the Prime Radiant. We've been speculating this season on the sentience of the Prime Radiant, and due to its nature, I think it will be connected in somehow, freeing Demerzel from the control of the chip. What would Demerzel do when she actually gains full freedom? Create or destroy? It's a good question. She's going to go on vacation. It's like a thousand years. That's the thousand years of darkness. That's right. Is Demerzel, Demerzel's just, vacation. Just like, yeah, just F all y'all. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to yeah. the beach for a while for a few thousand years and <laughs> catch some yeah. rays. Yep. Work on my fake tan. She's going to fly into the sun or something. She's so done with this. <laughs> uh, it's interesting though. Yeah. Like what does, because uh, Harry wanted to give her the prime radiant and teach her how to use it. So. That's an interesting question. And yeah, I totally think uh, Dr. Selden in the vault knows that she's a robot, clearly. I've seen people calling him Left Harry. Left Harry. Interesting. Because he's the left hand. Okay. Oh, right. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. Oh, God. The left hand. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was a great scene. That really was. Left Harry, yeah. I really enjoyed that. All right, continuing. Uh, with the destruction of the first foundation, I guess we're going to see next season Gale, Salvor, and Robo Harry having to create the second foundation and how Gale will integrate with the Mentalics into it, question mark. All right, so a, a lot of people on the discords and other places, everybody thought Trantor was done and the first foundation was done, but guess what? Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I And again, I can see where people would be upset by being feeling like they were fooled. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that way, but I, okay. but your emotions are valid. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, John. Even though if we don't know where they come from, are we pulling it's our true. own strings? It's true. On Harry, I've got a crazy head theory. So please indulge me a moment. During Salvor's initial attack on the ceremony, the camera honed in on the lad Josiah again. This is where I'm going uh, way off. When Tellum was attacked by Harry in the ship, it was actually a projection of Josiah. And this is a step towards him becoming the mule. As I said, way crazy head theory. I don't hold too much stock in it, even myself, as I think Occam's razor applies to the reappearance of Harry, and he is therefore most likely a robot. But they have focused a bit on Josiah in the metallic scene, and I wouldn't put it past David Esquire to throw us some curveballs. Well, he did throw a curveball. Partial internet points for Partial. noticing that Josiah was honed in on because I didn't notice that. And that's really cool mm-hmm. that they were like, this guy is telling something now for a right. bit. Yeah. Yep. 
And there yeah. was a weird lens flare stuff in in this mm-hmm. uh, episode. And so yeah. yes, yes, yeah. As soon as as soon as his head started feeling funny, you saw the lens uh, going on. I mean, you know, what better way yeah. to uh, you know trick us than to give us a little ten year old kid, you know, who seems pretty sweet and innocent, to, right? To, you know, right. Tiny tell firearm. Tiny <laughs> love Demerzel's brutal put down of day. The look on his little face when he realized how he is nothing but a pawn in a greater game of empire, as played by Demerzel, was a chef's kiss on that scene. Uh, well, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode then too, because <laughs> exactly day certainly got his comeuppance. I, I let's see. He continues in some previous feedback. I speculated on what would move Bell Rios. To rebelling against Empire, the death of his husband caused by Empire's tantrum is probably a catalyst to the good general crossing his own Rubicon. There you go. You got it. The Rubens have been conned. Uh, Indeed. (laughs) Just too much to digest, especially with Ahsoka, and I haven't been able to start Wheel of Time Season 2 yet. Keep up the outstanding work, guys. I'm really looking forward to how the season ends, especially the wrap-up pod with my favorite academic Maryland. And now... With added, uh, with bonus, and Maester Anthony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Enjoy Things the Empire's Peace. <laughs> mm, Stu, Duve71. Thanks, Stu. Uh, yep, you win some, you lose some. Uh, and we're looking forward to your feedback for the season wrap-up. All right. Very cool, David. Quickly show notes, I guess. Let's, yes. Uh, let's talk about our affiliates. We've got Properly Howard Movie Review going strong. I'm not going to say what they're doing right now because I'm a little confused about their order right now. But... They are doing some great podcasts right now. They just put out a new one, which was, if you remember, tell me. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Uh, I was just going to go yep. on my phone to double check. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like uh, Steve and Anthony got a little busy with uh, life, so they sort of swerved out of their schedule. This week was supposed to be The Wicker Man, uh, but that'll probably get kicked to next week. So, uh, if you haven't listened to properly Howard movie review yet, please go take a listen. Uh, Maester Anthony, who's been around a, a long time and been doing the podcasting game for a minute. Uh, he's got the, uh, electric Bookaloo series, which they're reading all of the, uh, clash of Kings books. Anyway, him and his good buddy, Steve, who is a stand-up comic, uh, do movie reviews and this season for the, for their season of, of, uh, podcasts here, they're doing movie remakes. So they're doing stuff like white men can't jump June part one, the Villeneuve, uh, version, uh, Robocop, the Wolfman, the wicker man, the departed Cape fear, the thing, the sor- uh, sorcerer. These are all movies that have been remade at some point in the, and, uh, they sort of go through and they talk about the remakes and the thing about this is that they're hilarious. Uh, Steve and Anthony just have a great flow. It's funny. Steve is really funny. And Anthony laughs a lot. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. and so they, do we. Yeah, so listener. do they. And it's just fun pop culture nonsense. And I and the great thing is that you don't even have to have seen the movies or like the movies to enjoy, get something out of, the, out of the podcasts. Well, don't sell it anymore, David. I think they're sold. <laughs> they're sold. Um, as far as our other affiliate, Alicia, I know she's a little bit on hold right now. She's figuring out her schedule now that they moved the Dune movie. But you can already catch a Dune episode out with the preview yep. of her coverage on her feed now. We'll shift dust. Find both those feeds in the show notes, and you'll hear Alicia on a bunch of our other pods. So don't worry. She'll yeah. be around. Alicia's around. She's going to be doing uh, Loki with us when that comes up with Jean and I. 
and she is doing the White Tower segments on Wheel of Time, and uh, we've got some other things in the hopper too. So once mm-hmm. once we get out of this triple show coverage, I think we're gonna yep. all be breathing a little bit easier. Yep, and we will be uh, in touch about other programming notes beyond our triple coverage soon. Yes. Uh, we've got you know Foundation, which is about to wrap up. We've got Wheel of Time, which we're right in the middle of, and Ahsoka, which we're also right in the middle of. So plenty going on already, and there will be more coming towards the end of the month and in October. Absolutely. All right, uh, John, we David. need to thank our patrons. Our <laughs> It's so funny. We've got 99 right now at the time of this recording. And but, uh, uh, I just can't help but think of that. one. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, all right, I'm, I'm done. Did you there was I just heard on Fresh Air uh, an interview with Jay-Z, uh, which was a bit of an older interview, but it was interesting. He talks about that song and about what that actually means. And it's not what I ever thought it meant. I, I learned something new about that. So that that was interesting about that. That particular. OK, uh, he's talking about the canine dog, that this drug sniffing dog that was coming around oh. their car. Not uh, not about a girlfriend problems or anything like that. You so. know, that's still not enough to make me think that Jay-Z is a good rapper. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, the financially, one of the most successful rappers probably sure, ever. Sure. So. Sure. And and also very universally panned as far as people I've spoken Interesting. to. Which Interesting. Which I have no idea how he ended up this big. Anyway. Mm. Anyway. 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 I like we a lot of rap. Not, we- <laughs> I don't like Jay-Z. That's my hot take for the night. Go home. Okay. There you go. Deal with it. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> to our patrons, all 99 of them, thank you guys all so very much. Really, it uh, um, having the financial stability to actually get the things that we need and to do the stuff that we need to do is, is a huge uh, uh, logistical and resource uh, help, but it also is just a massive um, uh, moral boost for John and I. So as we're trying to watch all these shows and get all these recordings and do all the editing and do all the scheduling, uh, yep, yep. we knowing that we've got people who are, who sort of believe in, in what, what we've got going on with our community here, makes it all mm-hmm. the more better. And to our Patreon lore masters, our top tier, uh, lore master, uh, uh, subscribers, we always like to give a shout out. So John, would you please do the honors? Yeah, uh, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V and Aaron T that list is going to just keep, keep getting longer. I'm going to have to take more breaths in between yeah, the names. I know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you all very much. Uh, it means a lot to us and, um, yeah, we just, we're, we're having a good time and, and it's obvious that you guys are too. So thanks for coming along. Yeah. The ride. All right. Looking forward to second breakfast this week. Uh, the, uh, David, I, well, I don't know if it's this week we're recording it, but this month I'm looking forward to second breakfast cause we're going to be talking about, some movie, probably a certain one. Uh, it looks, of course, yeah. go on the go on the <laughs> Patreon if you are a patron and you want to vote, or if you want to be a patron and you want to vote on the uh, old man movie we're going to watch this month. It's between Dragon Slayer, the Andromeda Strain, which is walking away with it, and uh, the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I, it feels like we've been, been been a while since we've had a second a fun second breakfast. So, well, I am looking forward to it. Until then, David. Yes, sir. See you around. 
The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all, all month and beyond.